Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 94. I'm your host, Pep Barisha, joined, well, I used to say as always, but sometimes by Matt Santangelo. How are we doing, man? Not doing too bad over here. Ready for Euros, obviously. That's what we're going to get into, a big deep dive here. But weather's hot. Um, just got back from vacation. I know uh, Martino spoke about it in last episode, but um, whoa, they got background music here. I don't know why that's <laughs> Give me a second. You know what it is? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on. Is that like your gym playlist or? You know what it is? I clicked on a link just to kind of get like some more um, Euro like like graphic up so I can kind of reference. But um, yeah. Research purposes only, right? Randomly popped up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty well, guys. I am doing pretty well. Awesome, awesome. I saw you in a in a tank top before we started recording. You were you're looking pretty pretty warm. It's actually warm in London as well, amazingly. Um three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was playing football in the hail. It was crazy. Couldn't believe it. And uh, now it's like 24, it's, 24 it's, 25 degrees. It's, it's just uh, it's ninety degrees here. Ninety two uh, New Jersey. So oh, me and wow. Martino are cooking. Cooking. Yeah. As cooking. they say, let them cook. Let them cook. <laughs> right let's let's get straight, straight into it so i think what we're going to do is we're going to go through each group uh talk about where we think teams are going to rank and then we'll we'll kind of think about who, who we think the eventual matchups and winners could be so um and then we'll talk a, a bit about what players we think we've got our eyes on and we think who's make a you know who's going to be the um you know the golovin of the tournament right um you know and and so on and so who's going to be the andre Shabin? i don't know why i'm just referencing russian players that have had like breakout seasons or tournaments but they, they were the first two that came to mind um so start with group a matt everyone wants to know your thoughts on italy i was telling you and martino before you're not underdogs but I still think you're dark horses. I think Italy could make a real good run at this. I mean, you're looking at a group with Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. We were talking about this off air that you need two wins basically to progress. I kind of back Italy to beat at least Wales. And I don't think you guys are going to probably lose to either Switzerland and Turkey. Um, Turkey are probably my my kind of favourite dark horses, by the way, just, just as an FYI, everyone. But... Yeah, I, I mean, looking at your starting eleven, you guys look like you've got the firepower. You've got the midfield trio. Um, you're hoping that the the old guard and defence can kind of pull it out of their fingers just for for one last time. I mean, are you feeling optimistic? I am actually. I think you you know, unlike the previous Euro team. I mean, I know under Antonio Conte, they um, they overachieved. They were like kind of that Cinderella story in the sense that you looked at their squad and you're thinking. Graziano Pelle, Eder, Giaccarini, like what are these guys doing in this squad and why are they starting for Antonio Conte and for Italy? And of course, they made a deep run. They overachieved. And then we had the nightmare under Ventura where Italy regressed, right? The talent wasn't there. He chose the wrong players. There's that famous clip um, in the Sweden playoff where, you know, he's looking to bring on De Rossi and Insignia is thinking like, we need a goal here. Why are you bringing on a defensive midfielder? And <laughs> under Mancini, things have been drastically different, right? He's ushered in a lot of new players, specifically Barella, Locatelli, Bastoni, a lot of young players that have played key roles that are, could potentially start for Italy at the Euro here. The one thing I will say is that the the postponement of the Euro, I think, is going to work to the benefit of Italy and the, the maturation of some of these players. Because I think last year, you know, yes, Barella, yes, Locatelli, some of these players were, were going to make the squad and were more or less going to be ready 
but you see the the growth that you, that Barella had, right, as the best midfielder in Serie A this year for a title-winning Inter. Mm. So, and the same thing with Bastoni, right? He's was one of the best central defenders in Italy as well. You, when you kind of throw all those pieces together, you have to like the chances Italy have coming into this tournament. As you mentioned, maybe not, they're definitely not overrated, but they're definitely not underrated. I mm. think people rate them pretty well that they kind of are not in that top three, top four in terms of favorites or that, that prefer teams to win this. But I think they're kind of fall right underneath. And if you look at some of the, to the more recent tournaments for Italy and historically 2006 World Cup, after Calciopoli, everything that was swirling around that, they went to that tournament and they won. The 2012 Euro team that went to the finals and they just came up against a juggernaut in Spain, right? Um, who defended their 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 um, Euro title. And then you had 2016 Euro. So I think this is where kind of Italy wants to be, right? A little bit overlooked. People saying, eh, they don't have, you know, they have good talent, but they're not quite there yet. Maybe at the World Cup, we'll have that conversation. But top to bottom, I mean, they have the, 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 the firepower, the attacking personnel. They have the midfield players, as you mentioned, which is probably their biggest strength. Defensively, we're going to have to wait and see how uh, Chiellini can do in a tournament. And maybe he's got one more left in him and he can kind of roll back the ears. But Donnarumma, that's a big talking point, right? How is he going to fare in his big first major uh, senior tournament with Italy? And can Chiri Mobile deliver up front, right? That's been a big, a big focus as well, right? Everything he's accomplished for Lazio uh, domestically has been astonishing. But can he replicate that and translate that over mm. to the national team where Italy really do need that talisman up front? So I like Italy's chances. But when you look at this group, Pat, and you really look at the kind of the format of a European tournament, there's not many laydowns, right? I mean, Switzerland have have shown to be a, a promising team, team that can you know can play spoiler. Turkey, we know what they're capable of. They have a couple of players in that can beat you. Hakan, which you know, um, Arsenal. Uh, well, imagine, imagine that storyline. Right, <laughs> Hakan, right. the winner against Italy. Exactly, and then you look at their defense. They got Kabak. They have um, uh, Soyuncu, Demiral, yeah, so, Zeki Kelic. They've got um, who's the guy that cooked Milan? Uh, what's his name? I, I always oh, the my name. Uh, number ten for Lille. For, for Lille. For Lille. Um, why do I? Uh, yeah, Yasichi. Why do I always forget his name? I always remember Zeki Chalik yeah. and forget his name. Um, yeah, they've got so prom- look at these yeah, lo- lots of good players there. And then you've got Wales and Gareth Bale. You never know, right? Exactly. And I think that's what Italy is going to have to do. I like the coach. I like Mancini. I like what he's done. I like that there is a little bit of a, a blend, a mesh of young players, old players that can jive well, but we'll have to wait and see. That first game is going to be so crucial. As you mentioned, if they can get two wins, they're pretty much clear. Yeah. But the first match is always very tricky. Because so cagey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think when I look at Italy as a, as a you know, objective party here, I think this is the first time I've seen an Italy team where I'm least impressed by the defense out of the whole team. I mean... Up top, you know, you mentioned Chiria Mobile. Hasn't really done it for it in an Italy shirt yet. But when you've got Federico Chiesa and Berardi to pick from on the right-hand side, we're probably two of the top five right-wingers in Italy over the last, you know, season and a half. I think they've been both really, really good. That's that's great. And then on the left, you've got Lorenzo Insigne who's coming off the back of one of his best seasons in Italy. It doesn't look like they're going to be short of power, firepower. You go to midfield, you've got Nicolo Barella, Jorginho and Marco Verratti um, and, and then with guys like Locatelli coming in there if need be and then at the back you've obviously got you know 
Chiellini, Spitzanola, um, Bonucci, and remind me who's going to play at right back. At right back for Italy. Um, yes. It's going to be Florenzi, isn't it? Sorry. It's, it's weird because I think it could be it could be Spinazzola, left back, and then right back, I think it's going to be Florenzi, but there is the possibility that Di Lorenzo from Napoli yeah. gets, gets a nod there. That's been one of the biggest focuses for Italy fans is how is that, that position going to, going to fare? I think centrally they'll be okay. Midfield, we know what they got there. and The attack, they have Berardi, Chiesa. They have guys off the bench that can do some damage. The fullbacks are going to be key, but I think if yeah. Spinazzola is healthy and I think Florenzi, a nice savvy veteran who had a pretty good year for PSG, yeah. I think they should be able to weather the storm there and, and do pretty well um, defensively at least. Yeah, I think it's just whether or not uh, Chiellini and Benucci can can kind of come together for, for, for a tournament, especially Chiellini at his age, right? Um, and then we've got Switzerland, of course, the, the Wiley Swiss, you know, um, Granite Xhaka and co, they are never an easy team to roll over, as you mentioned, that. No, and, and I think that's kind of why we, we, get, we get the sense here that the first game is going to be a big driving force to ultimately kind of set the tone for the rest of this group and where people, or where not people, where the nations are going to be positioned and who will move on. And as I mentioned, you know, unlike the unlike the World Cup where, you typically get those groups where you have the kind of clear cut, like top two. And then maybe there's that one team with a group of death that can kind of creep into the conversation. It's a balanced group. I mean, would anyone be surprised if Wales and Italy move on or Wales, Turkey move on? Maybe Italy finds a way to get by or like, it's, it's a toss up. I mean, obviously they're stronger groups. I mean, we're going to get into Portugal, France and Germany with Hungary, poor Hungary, but um, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very balanced group. And, in many ways, you can kind of draw some parallels between Group A and Group E with um, my other team that I'm going to be looking at, of course, uh-huh. Poland, Slovakia, Sweden, and Spain. It's it's a pretty balanced group, and there's a mixture of good players in there, good good uh, nations that know how to play well, well-structured football. So I, I'm, I'm excited, but I, I do feel confident, again, about Italy in this group. But there are no laydowns. I, I don't see any of these teams giving uh, Italy a, an easy go. Yeah, I mean, Switzerland, of course, you, you know, Manuela Kanji and Nico Alvedi at the back. You've got Kevin Bamboo at uh, right back, who's who's been uh, at Wolfsburg. And Ricardo Rodriguez, of course, Matt, you know him quite well. Um, and then, you know, the classics, you know, uh, you've got the likes of Granite Xhaka, Shedrin Chichiri, uh, Amir Mamedi, who've been kind of like big parts of that team. Uh, Remy Freuler from uh, Atalanta, Denis Zakaria, uh, and Nilsson Fernandez. Uh, and then up top, you've got Breland Boer and then Harry Seferovic, who scored a ton of goals for Benfica this season as well. So, I mean, this team could be quite dangerous as well. Switzerland so um, definitely not uh, a good idea to be um, sleeping on them I mean moving quickly on to the team that I think could make a run in this um, Turkey Matt I think my, my thing is right like every player must be so tired in world football right now after playing so much football Turkey have one of the youngest squads in the competition they've got the least minutes played per player right I've done my research least minutes played per player uh, out of any squad in the tournament and I think because players if you look at statistically over the last 80 months players are just sprinting and pressing less like it's just a fact no matter how good a pressing team you are the average sprint per 90 and press per 90 has just reduced drastically over the last 18 months it's pretty crazy to see and it's an obvious reason why like everyone's shattered now I think we could see a Greece here we're a, we're a defensive team and my bet is uh Turkey I think they could do quite well here. I mean, they've got a, a loaded squad of very 
young, hungry players and a, a couple of wily veterans there as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on them? Like I said, I, I, I like them. And I think you're getting, um, you're getting Turkey, uh, Turkey Hakan, right? Which <laughs> Turkey Hakan, right? Everyone, cause everyone references like this guy plays so well for Turkey, but when he came back to Milan for the stretch run after international break, he was not the same player, but you know, you look at the, the defensive pillars they got, right. That's kind of one of their biggest areas of strength. Mm. You, got, you got Demiral, you got Sonchu, and then you have Kabak on the bench. Um, or of course you, however you want to mix that, those three players, but you have depth there. And then you look at you know, the attack, you know, Yasichi, you know, Hakan and Barak Yomaz, who Big was Barak. at the very heart of that little title, <laughs> title win. So it, it's going to be interesting. And, and, and like I always say, you know, a lot of these teams, there's, there's something a little extra when it comes to the national pride, you know, the center stage, yeah. right? The, the Euro, it's, it's, it's a completely different animal. And a lot of these teams know, and I can say the same thing about Poland, that they may not be a favorite. They may not be the team that everyone's looking at for the sexiest brand of football, but sometimes they kind of stick to their guns and they find themselves making like a semifinal run. I mean, look at Poland at the last Euro. They were penalties away from beating Portugal, who won the whole thing. So like if you have your way of playing, even if you're not this, this attacking stalwart, a team like Turkey can play to their strengths. They maybe defend, they get a couple goals on the counter and they creep through to the knockout. And all of a sudden you get the right draw and you're making a dream run. You know, we saw with even um, Iceland, right? Iceland in certain tor- previous tournaments or um, some of these other maybe smaller nations. So yeah, I absolutely like Turkey. And I think you're their team that's been um, on the rise the past past few years when you've given the fact that they have that kind of emerging young crop of players as you mentioned mm. agreed agreed uh really like turkey i wonder how far they can go and last but not least in this group wales oh that's me <laughs> sorry 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 i thought that was like a you know uh what do you oh, think okay. of wales something <laughs> no you're good you're good you're good yeah you know you know it is look i mean the wales team it's 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 got its players it's got its young talent Players maybe some some are unproven. Others, you know, you look at your your veteran stars, you know, Gareth Bale, um, you know, maybe your Aaron Ramsey's, you know, but they have you know Ampadu players that have some things to prove. And you know, as we talked about before we went live here, Pet, this is that these are those sor- sorts of tournaments where you get those fringe players, or players that maybe people have forgotten about. Yeah, that stand out and then make a name for themselves, and then they get a big move out of it. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, the David the David Brooks is here. Mm-hmm. The Harry Wilsons, uh, Ethan Ampadu's, the guys that have uh, things to prove, right? Like they, they, they are either kind of, they've been hindered by injury. They've uh, been the kind of star young player that, you know, might not get any minutes. You know, Nika Williams, right? I, I don't know if he's guaranteed to start for Wales, but this is a guy who's basically just heard that Trent is going to be out with a, with a, with a thigh tear, right? So if he gets minutes, does he become a big part of Liverpool's team next season? Let's see. Like there are so many things and, and opportunities that lie in front of some of these players if they get it right. You're absolutely right. And I mm. think he's he's obviously one of those players that, you know, all it takes is for him to creep into that that starting picture, gets a good one couple games and he's off and running and that mm. builds confidence, right? And, think- and also the thing about the Euros and any of these tournaments, really, like you have your starting 11 for the first game someone comes off the bench and they have a stormer of a game, you could be in the lineup for the rest of that, for the rest of that, yeah. you know, for the yeah. rest of that tournament because you did really well. I mean, I'm struggling to think of examples off the top of my head, but I can really see it happening with someone like Jack Grealish at England, right? 
a lot of people were predicting that it will either be Sterling and Foden or mm-hmm. Foden and Rashford or Foden or, or Rashford and Sterling. People, some people are saying, oh, you know, Mason Mount might play on the left, right? All this kind of stuff. Jack Grealish, for example, for me, I think he's probably England's second best, if not best player. Like, I think he's that good. I rate him that highly. And if he comes off the bench, is amazing for that long. And then you can't not start him the next game. It happens all the time in tournaments. Again, can't think of one example off the top of my head, but there we are. Um, group B, Matt. And actually, who have you got progressing here in Group A? Okay. Um, I do have Italy winning the group. I think they'll be, they'll do enough defensively. I think they'll score enough goals. I can see Immobile um, getting getting on the score sheet and, and you know, kind of silencing a, a little, a few people. I think Lorenzo Insigne has had one of his best offensive years. Um, I think he had 19 goals and something like seven, eight assists for Napoli, who obviously came up short in the Champions League chase, but he had a sensational year. Um, and Chiesa. So I think they have the, the attacking firepower there as well to maybe um, mask over some concerns people may have them, of them defensively. So I like Italy and I actually like Turkey moving out from this group. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, group B here, Belgium seem to have landed in a fairly decent group for them. Um, favorites to get progress out of this one. Um, maybe not as strong as their World Cup squad, especially with you know, uh, Hazard coming off of 18 months of just terrible football. Kevin De Bruyne's obviously got this face fracture, which I, I'm surprised I would be very surprised if it affects him much, to be honest with you. But Matt, how do you see Belgium shaping up for this uh, group and tournament? I think this Belgian team is very strong. And, you know, it, this is something that's been a long time coming for them, right? Because when people watched Belgium at the 2014 World Cup uh, beat USA, um, in the, I think it was a round of 16, right? Where I think Chris Wondolowski blew a chance and that was kind of the, the nightmare for, for USA as, as, as it would be um, in the years to, years to follow. But when you look at this team, there's a lot of maturity that's gone from since that point, right? In the midfield, you have the UT elements, you have... Um, you know, up front, Dries Martins, Lukaku, who I think was the fastest player to 60 goals um, than any other international player, right? He did, he got 60 goals in the, the shortest amount of time, um, which, and then he's Belgium's all-time leading scorer off the year he had for Inter as, you know, dead, the league MVP, right? I mean, everything's aligning for Belgium to have a deep, deep run here. But I think there is some slight concern at the back, you know? I mean, Toby Alderweireld, um, Jan Vertonghen, I know they have that experience together, with Spurs, but it's, it's a long season, right? We always talk about this with England and it's always a big focus for England going into these major tournaments. It's like, yeah, but they have a lot of games under their belt. They have the firepower, they have the depth, they have the talent. We all know that, but one thing leads to another and it's preparation, it's fitness. It's do they have the energy to kind of get back up into game shape and play high intensity football and do, do, do well enough to get results. And I think that's kind of what I see with this Belgium team. That's one of my, the, one of the restraints I have with them making a very deep, deep run. I think they get out of this group. I mean, I think they're the favorites in this group. Yeah, they definitely win this group. I think Um, they'll get out of this group. No problem. But I think they're, if we're, if we're speaking on their longevity and how far they can actually go here, I mean, can Hazard, you know, reclaim his form? Can Hazard be the Eden Hazard we saw at Chelsea all those years? Who knows? But I think those are the, the biggest focuses you're going to have to see from this team. If Belgium are going to make a deep run, they have to have their star players like Lukaku and Eden Hazard firing on all cylinders because I just don't know if they have the, the depth um, and the overall quality that maybe the France's or yeah. Portugal have, or England have. I think a couple of issues with 
Belgium is their defence is very weak. I mean, Alderweireld, well, Dedrick Bayata, it's very thin. Uh, Jason Denier, who had a really good first half of the season for Lyon, didn't have a good second half of the season. Thomas Vermaelen, obviously, he's playing in, in Japan. So, you know, is he going to come in and become a, a, a top, top tier defender for Belgium this this tournament? I, I kind of have my doubts. Jan Vertonghen's obviously, I mean, I watched him against Arsenal over two legs. He looked not amazing. He looked like a, a, a very old defender. So, that's going to be a struggle for them. And then the other, the other thing I've got is like, how many players do they have off the bench who are going to make an impact? Like Nasser Shadley, Yannick Carrasco, probably start, you'd think. Um, Thorgan Hazard, uh, Dennis Pratt, Hans Van Arkens had a really big season in, in Bruges. But of course, that level is completely different to playing the Euros. Axel Witz was coming off a huge injury. Uh, Bashi Yassi, Christian Benteke, Jeremy Dock, who's really, really talented, great young player. Um, but is he is he ready for this level? Dries Mertens, of course, will, will probably start or, or, or get a lot of miss it, minutes. So my, my worries for Belgium are like at the back. I think they're there to be got at in terms of like pacing behind. I, I really struggle to see who is going to really marshal and, and, and lead that defence from kind of a quality standpoint, not from a leadership standpoint. Um, and, and then again, off the bench, like who could turn a game for Belgium? I mean, I've seen Nasser Shadley do it in a World Cup, right? So maybe he'll maybe might eat my breakfast, but there we are. They'll definitely progress. Um, uh, moving on to Denmark, Matt. Uh, know much about this squad? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously they have um, Simon <laughs> and my boy Simon Kayer yeah, um, yeah, alongside yeah. Christensen in the back, which that's a, that's a really formidable veteran slash young central defensive pairing. I mean, I think that's kind of been the theme that I see with a lot of these teams that are um, somewhat on the smaller side, maybe don't have uh, big chances to go deep. But a lot of these guys have that, like, a lot of these teams have that central defensive pairing or like that pretty well-structured defense with a good goalkeeper that, as I mentioned, maybe they can make up for what they lack up front or in the midfield. And I think I kind of see that here. I mean, you have your, your little mixture of your Christian Eriksen in the midfield. You have um, your Brathwaite up front, you know, and there's always that kind of element. You said Paulson as well players... from uh, Leipzig um use of Paulson. so yeah there's some players there right I... too, who i actually really like he's on Sampdoria, young yeah. um promising young player so they have some guys and as i mentioned look there's there's always an opportunity for someone to break out and to maybe kind of take the tournament by the by the throat and, and prove themselves and look i think denmark has a, a uphill battle here but look at this looking at this group it's belgium and then it's a dogfight the rest of the yeah. way yeah, yeah, the yeah. way i feel about it i mean russia you know, they had a good World Cup. They actually got past Spain in the round of 16, which we all found out about some some doping stuff, uh, you know, at the back end <laughs> of that. But, um, you get my point, right? I think you have the players that can impact in certain areas. Like, and Ericsson, this is the type of tournament where Ericsson can be that guy, that linchpin, that maybe propels Denmark to, uh, a, a, you know, a, a spot in the round of, around the next round, you know? So I, I think that's kind of what you have to look at with some of these other teams and, maybe the same thing would go for Finland and, and Russia to, to more or less uh, certain degrees. Yeah. I mean, I think Finland are definitely the weakest team in this group They're they're probably going to be the whipping boys. I mean, I've seen them play Kosovo a few times. I don't know if we need to kind of go too in depth for uh, with them. Like their most notable player is probably Lucas Radecki, the Leverkusen goalkeeper who was out injured at the end of the season and has now come back, I think just at the end of the season, interesting kind of couple of uh, Minnesota United players, uh, Matt Robin Lodd and uh, Yuka Retyler, 
Um, so I, I think they're definitely going to struggle. I mean, Timu Pukki as well, uh, of course, up top for them. Um, can he do what he did for Norwich in the Premier League? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less convinced. Um, and then Russia, the other guys who are kind of in this dogfight with uh, Denmark to come second or maybe as a best third. Um, you know, you've got the classic, the big man up top, Artem Zuba, who, who, who scores goals. Um, you know, we've got Denis Sheryshev. Is he going to come out and, and, and score loads of goals again, Matt, in a, in a tournament? Who knows, honestly. Yuri Zhirkov, of course, you know, the veteran. What was that? (laughs) I said Yuri Zhirkov, the veteran. Yuri Zhirkov. I mean, they have Berenchuk, who who had a pretty okay year at Atalanta. Yeah. Um, Golovin, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they have players that that maybe just simply are are built to perform to their best and their fullest potential when they throw on that national team shirt. And I think that's, again, like it's kind of it's kind of hard. Was that a doping joke again? <laughs> what was that? Was that another joke with a uh, another doping joke? No, 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 no. You know, you know what, it, you know what it is too. It's just, I just think that like there's that Lucas Podolski effect where <laughs> you get players that for whatever reason, it's just they always find a way to get on the national team roster come tournament time, and then they do something special, and you're like, that's why they're there. And then they get a move, and they're just simply not a player that does anything of a big impact for the player. I mean, you could speak to it, but Arsenal, he went. To- uh, Podolski went to Inter. He was well traveled, and he just was never quite able to be that same player for club that he was for country. So I feel like that's going to be one of those themes here, maybe with Russia, where you know, look, they're going after after a nice, promising run in the World Cup. Maybe they got something else to prove off the back of that, saying we're here to stay. We're a team that can do something and make some some deep runs here. But I, as I said, I think it's Belgium and everybody else, and. The first match will dictate everything. And when I'm looking at, obviously, who, who, who Russia have, they got Belgium to open the group. So if they can get a draw there, then they're in a pretty decent position to maybe be one of the two teams that move on. Hmm. Right, let's move on to Austria. I mean, again, a team that is kind of littered or sprinkled with quite a few top quality players, not, not least for David Alaba, Matt. Yeah, that's obviously the most, the more, the more notable, the guy in that squad who um, actually just confirmed a move to Real Madrid. So um, that's obviously going to be the, the the main focal point for them, whatever they're able to do in this tournament. But you got Sabitzer, you got Baumgartner. You, Marco you, you Arnautovic as well. Javis Slager Feiner, from Wolfsburg. I know a player that um, a friend of mine is, he's a Man United fan. He loves him for whatever <laughs> For whatever um, reason, <laughs> for whatever for whatever reason, he's just kind of obsessed with him. But um, Marcel Sabitzer, of course, who's probably the the standout player in this squad, apart from David Alaba. Yeah, who's was was one of those players that you know last year was supposed to make a big big move. Yeah, and linked to everyone and everyone, right? Linked to everybody. Everyone wanted him, right? So, um, not much more to be honest with you to speak about with Austria. I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on Austrian football and some of the players that they have, but. Nether, it feels like it, it feels like it's Netherlands and everybody else in this group. I mean, I yeah. know North Macedonia are probably the team that's gonna, you know, really have an uphill battle, maybe more or less like Finland. But um, I, I think it's, it, I think some of these groups are very wide open. Yeah, and it's just really unfortunate too because you're gonna see some of the teams that progress from these groups, Pet, and then you're gonna look to Group F and you're gonna think, how did those three teams get into that group? Yeah, Portugal, France, and Germany. It's like yeah. they, you feel like there should have been a little bit more disbursement there. Yeah, and it's like unfortunate, but that's that's the way if everything rolls. It's the I way guess. of the game, right? And yeah, I mean, you mentioned Netherlands probably expecting them to come top of this group. Um, 
probably not the strongest Dutch side I've ever seen, but you know, Memphis Depay has come off another sledder season in 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 France. Danielle Malin is super talented. Uh, Steven Berkhoys at Feyenoord and, and Luke de Jong seem to always uh, score goals wherever they are. And then you've got uh, you know midfield Wijnaldum. You've got the very talented Ryan Gravenbroek. Um, Team Coopermeyers again, another really talented, fairly young player, and Holland Frankie de Jong, of course. Um, the back is kind of where I have my most concerns for this team, especially considering there's no Virgil van Dijk. I mean, Nathan Ake, Daily Blind, uh, Delict, and De Vries would be their, the you know go-to centre-back partnership. But then you know uh, Van Aanholt, uh, Joel Veltman, uh, Owen Wijdal. Um, it's not littered with the best defenders uh or uh kind of fullbacks I, f- I feel that like england might be the only team in the tournament with with extraordinarily good fullbacks um it's it's pretty strange to see uh, and um you know in terms of goal as well it's kind of either it's between tim Krul and martin stecklenberg isn't it so uh i think my worries are kind of similar to the belgian side where going forward fine good midfield uh, at the back and in goal is, is slightly more worrisome um, for, for Netherlands, but they still should win this group, shouldn't they, Matt? They should. I think you have a lot of experience in this team. And I think ultimately when you look at this group um, experience, I think will, will bode well for them. Um, as you mentioned, maybe they don't necessarily have the depth and strength and numbers that some of these other larger sides have. I mean, obviously, you know, they were, one of the biggest focuses you know about them was the fact that they would have, um, you know, Virgil van Dijk and, and some of these other guys to kind of play more key roles. Now we'll obviously have to see if they can maintain that defensive status, because I think on paper, that's probably their biggest area of strength. And then you go down to the midfield, you know, I like Darun, I like Wijnaldum, who's probably on his way to PSG for a lucrative amount of money. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Frankie De Jong, right. He's been, um, his, his time at Barcelona, I think, People can agree that, you know, the, the, the promise has been there, but Barcelona have been kind of a little bit up and down. So um, maybe this is his, his, his big, big tournament to prove everyone that he is the real deal. And he is this world-class next generation type, um, type midfielder. But I think everything you mentioned though, as far as some of the concerns you have is valid. Uh, maybe it's the pie's time to cook. Um, the pie, another one who's ready to make a move somewhere, uh, potentially most likely going to be Barcelona. But I think you agree, you know, some of these teams, it's just, they're a little thin in certain departments and it's kind of surprising, right? Because you think Netherlands for years have always been the team that's always had like the depth, like the young talent, like a plethora of players. And then you look at their, it, you, it, what was more impressive about teams like Netherlands was looking at the players that didn't make the squad versus the ones that actually made the squad, squad if you get what I'm saying. Like mm. all the people that look at France and they're like, how did this player not make it? That player not make it. And you're like, oh, because he, this guy and that guy's on the team and they're world-class, right? So I think, you know, that's where I think there, I draw, I draw some concern with, uh, with Netherlands. But I think, as you mentioned, you know, look, looking at the strength of this group or the lack thereof, I, I just do like them at the top. It's pretty chalky, but I think in this case, it's, it's pretty valid. Mm. Uh, next up, North Macedonia. Again, they're going to be the, the whipping boys, aren't they? Um, led by the big man Goran Pandev. Uh, I don't know if there's too much to say, unfortunately, about uh, Macedonia. I watched them in the kind of uh, playoffs against Kosovo, which was very sad because obviously they're here at the expense of them. But, uh, you know, Esjen Alioski as well, the lead fullback, um, Ariana Demi from uh, Denver Zagreb, Enes Bardi as well, uh, Levante, central midfielder, has a very good strike on him. And uh, Elia Felmaz. 
Matt. I mean, a guy who moved to Napoli for decent money, lots of high thoughts. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a, a chance for him to showcase his true potential? I do, actually. And I think, you know, look, you're going to, when you look in a strange way, when you look at some of these smaller nations and the, the lack of their, their firepower and lack of their, the names on the team sheet, you always tend to focus on like, okay, but who do they have? Who is worth watching? Why do I want to turn on him for the North Macedonia game? And I think he's one of those players that when you look at him in pockets and in spaces of form throughout the season, he showed glimpses for Napoli. He really did. He's, he's a really tricky player, can dribble, uh, good vision, very creative. So I think that's a prime example of what we were talking about off the top, Pet, of a player that, you know, maybe they're, they're not going to get out of here, out of this group here. They're going to have a quick tournament. But a player like Almas can go back and can maybe convince Spalletti, who is projected to be the Napoli coach, all right, like I can play a key role for you next year. Like let, let me get that opportunity. And there's nothing better than to do it on a, on a main stage um, at the Euros. Last but not least in this group, uh, Ukraine, Matt. I mean, uh, any thoughts on Ukraine here? I mean, um, they have a few of the, the normal, like the, the usual suspects, Donald don't Lanko, they? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, Malinovsky, as you mentioned, is a player that, um, again, a lot of people expected to be a big, big part of Atalanta. Um, he has been slowly and slowly getting into that side and being a, 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 more of a focal point. But do you expect him to have a, a decent story, uh, uh, a decent Euros as well? And obviously, Alexander Zinchenko as well plays left back for Man City, but seemingly plays anywhere for Ukraine. Um, and then of course that, yeah, as I said, the usual suspects, the Yarmolenko, et cetera. Um, do you expect them to make a, a push for second here? I mean, I probably pick Austria just ahead of them. Mm-hmm. I got Austria. I got Austria moving on. That's Austria with Netherlands. Um, Netherlands will top the group, but with Melanovsky, the one thing that concerns me with certain players um, in a slimmer squad or a squad that maybe doesn't have the, um, the, the sort of uh, depth up and down, is the fact that a lot of times it happens is they tend to do a little bit too much. They drift a little bit too far because they want to get on the ball. They want to make a difference. They want to be that sort of dictating presence. And sometimes that maybe puts them out of position where they can't impact further up the pitch. So I think a team like Ukraine could struggle to get goals. Um, Stranger things have happened. I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, there's going to be players that maybe that are not on our radar. Um, As I mentioned, I don't claim to have the background or the know-all about all these nations there's players that obviously i do know more than others but maybe ukraine is a team that has some players that are emerging from some of those smaller leagues that are in this squad that have something to prove and that can find a way to to uh maybe leverage it into a into a move uh, for the club level so um you know think maybe like what um what hauger did for for bodo glint right when they came up against milan great performance and he he parlayed that into a milan move right so things like that can happen in a europe european tournament where it takes one or two good performances in a match where there's really not much to focus on so much as far as names go. And like, this kid's got something. Let me take a look further at what he's able to offer. And I think that's kind of what I see as a theme here with, uh, with Group C. So we've definitely got Netherlands up at first and then Austria second? Um, yeah, I would say so. I think it's going to be tighter. I actually think it's going to be tighter than most people would think. Yeah. I think this is going to be one of those groups there where it's going to go down to the final match day. And then I think you may find maybe not Macedonia in there, unfortunately, no offense to them, but I think they just they don't have enough, but I think you're going to find a real 
uh, you know, race till the final match where you're going to be looking at scoreboards and trying to see, you know, what the point differentiations are and maybe even comes down to goal differentiation between uh, Ukraine and Austria. But I think I feel comfortable with Austria and Netherlands moving on. Hmm. Group D, the big one, uh, Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Croatia, the reigning finalists of the World Cup. Matt, do you expect them to be better or worse, or in, in better or worse shape than they were for that tournament? I think it's it's only natural to per, to, to to expect a little bit of a, a regression, um, not something that's going to be completely drastic. I think it's just they went to a World Cup final, like how much further can you take it? But I mean, you have to, you'd have to essentially win the tournament to get, to grow from that. Right. So, um, but when I look at this team, I think, you, you know, look, you got the same, the same, much of the same players um, that we've come to know over the years with, with um, you know, the, that world cup team, but that is again, that's three years ago. Like you have three more years of, of Modric, great player, phenomenal player, still very effective Real Madrid and at the heart of that team, but he's three years older. Um, I still think he'll be very influential. You have Kovacic, who just came off a Champions League victory with Chelsea, had a pretty good year. You got Milan Badelj. You got uh, Mario Pasalic, who's played a pretty decent role for Atalanta. Um, and even Budimir. Budimir, who's, who's, who was at Asasuna, who was kind of like a Serie A journeyman, Serie B journeyman, and has been a pretty effective player for Osasuna in, in, in La Liga. So um, I think Croatia, again, they, they're a team that I think will thrive off the sum of their parts. Um, and with, of course, the impacts of guys like Modric in the midfield that can kind of carry them and have the keys and drive that team forward. So I do like Croatia to still be pretty strong here. I just don't know if they're going to be as dominant, as convincing, and at that level that they were three years ago, because it's really hard to to ask for that and for them to replicate that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to be red. They're going to be led by the the usual suspects, right? Luka Modric, Ivan Perisic, uh, Mislav Orsic, the Dinamo Zagreb uh, star, right? Um, I think he he's obviously he looked really good against Spurs. That was great to watch as an Arsenal fan. Well, I mean, you got, got Perisic too. Yeah, yeah. Ante Rebic had a great yeah. second half of the season. Yeah, and and I think if you look at new guys like Abrozovic too, maybe this is the opportunity for. Um, you know, he's obviously a more of a veteran player. He's, he's well-traveled. He's been around for a long time, but I mean, you got to start to look at who, how many more tournaments does a Luka Modric have in him, right? So you look at Kovacic, you look at, um, you know, Brozovic maybe to be that kind of, that carrying of the baton type player where he's kind of in his prime and maybe he's the guy that takes the, the, the even bigger step on the international stage. Again, a player I do like, and I think in the grand scheme of things, he's probably been a little bit more underrated um, in that whole inter-conversation the past couple of years. I thought last year he was one of their strongest players. And I think this year with all the talk and rave about, you know, the defense and Lukaku and Barella and Latar Martinez, I thought Brozovic was like so staunch, so consistent, so sharp in the midfield that maybe he's not the one that jumps off the page and is, is the one that's taking all the plaudits and praise. But when you look at his performances, you're like Brozovic effective and influential yet again. So I think that's kind of been the, um, the, the, the mindset I have with this Croatia team is that the sum of their parts, that, 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 that strength, that chemistry that they, a lot of these guys have together, I think that's really going to be able to carry them pretty well um, throughout this tournament. Yeah, I, I think Croatia are going to come top or second in this group, right? Um, there is a, a big drop-off in quality after you go from Croatia and England to the Czech Republic and Scotland, but mm-hmm. you never know, right? Uh, Czech Republic, um, Patrick Schick, Matej Vidra, um, 
there are some players there, but maybe not enough quality, Matt, to, to make them have a push for second. You've got, you know, Vladimir Derida and Jakob Yankto, some kind of names that a lot of um, European viewers will be used to. Vladimir Kufal, of course, had a great season at West Ham and you've got um, the big man, Thomas Suchek, but it feels like there may be a couple of players away uh, from being enough to, to contend for second. I do. Yeah, I think Patrick Schick is an interesting one because it's funny. I actually wrote something for these football times, excuse me, a couple of years ago when he was um, at Samp and there was all that kind of buzz around him with his move to, to Juventus that didn't materialize. And then he went to Roma and then obviously Leipzig and now he's at Leverkusen. He's kind of bounced around where I think he's kind of reclaimed some of that, that attention in that form. This is the perfect tournament for Patrick Schick. I'm not saying he's going to move after this because I think he'll be okay. I think he'll still stay at Leverkusen. I still think he'll be an effective player for them. He's in a good spot that really caters to his his growth and his potential. But I think you look to Schick in, in in this in this group or in this Czech Republic squad, shall I say, to be a real big impact player and really open up a lot of eyes to what he was supposed to be going to Roma, right? I mean, I think he went to Roma as one of their their, their record signings all time. It didn't pan out. But the guy's got potential, very languid form, can dribble, good left foot, can play as a more primary striker. He can play off um, another main striker. He can play out wide and cut in on, onto his left. So he's a player that's that's going to be a big focus for me. And I think people are going to look to see um, what he's able to accomplish at the international level because this is a really big tournament for him. Mm, for sure. Now over to England, Matt. Um, as, good, as an outsider, how do you rate their chances? Very good. If, if provided, provided, yeah, you don't, I mean, I don't have many much negative things to say about England. I think, you know, personnel wise, they're as good as any team in this tournament, if I'm being honest, but there's always that element when I watch England that there's going to be, it's just too much too soon. And the fact that they have the abundance of games under their belt coming into this season, I mean, into this tournament, like, are they going to have enough in the tank to make it last? That's kind of one my one big area of concern. It's not a personnel thing. I look at this team and I'm like, where is the weakness? Where are the, where are the weak points? They they have the midfield players. They have the attacking players. I mean, they have it in numbers. They have you know. I mean, maybe you want to point at a goalkeeper, a Pickford. I don't know. But even but, then, Jordan Pickford's been pretty good for England. Which right. Is, I mean, I know uh, he's had his 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 blunders at Everton, but this team is just so strong that even if one guy goes down, like an Alexander Arnold or you know whoever. Oh yeah, they forgot they got him. Or yeah, they have this guy in the midfield if someone goes down or is not ready for the first match. Like they just have so much depth that it's it's hard to not put them at least maybe not the favorite, but like second, honestly. I think France are the favorite for me. Um, or maybe Portugal. I mean, I, it's going to change, but um, I think they're one of the top three teams that I would say confidently say if they don't make at least a semifinal run, then it's very it's de- it should be deemed a failure to be honest with you. They're just that good and as far as talent goes. You mentioned Grealish. If you have Grealish coming off the bench, <laughs> how Southgate approaches this. But if you have a guy like Grealish coming off the bench, given his potential, his ability, and his ascent the past couple of years, that you know you have that type of depth. Like, I mean, you know, England could have a situation where Bellingham, Grealish, Saka, Sancho, or, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Raheem Sterling are all coming off the bench. Ridiculous. It's a, it's a lot of good players. Um and after what happened in the World Cup, where they were underdogs, right? No one really expected England to win the World Cup. Um, when they got to the semifinals, they, they should have 
probably done better against Croatia, uh, would have probably lost to France anyway. But the expectations are higher now because of what happened then. And also because, you know, the likes of Spain and the likes of Germany are going through transition. The likes of Belgium don't look that strong. Even the France squad doesn't look as strong as it did the World Cup. Portugal look really strong, but like there isn't four or five amazing teams this tournament. There's one or two, right? And England seem to be the number three. Um, so yeah, high hopes for England, but uh, obviously cautiously optimistic. As you have to be all, let me, always. Let me, let me stop you real quick, just because I, I want to focus on like, is do you have a player in this? I mean, it's it's kind of hard to 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 speak on a player that maybe is going to have a break breakthrough tournament or breakthrough performance because a lot of these guys that maybe how forever how young they are, they're already known. The the, the Mason Mounts, the Fordens, like they're playing prominent roles on some of the biggest clubs in world football. So it's yeah. kind of hard for them to fly under the radar. But are there any players in this England squad that you think they're going to they're, they're gonna show you a little extra and they're going to take a next leap um, in, in play? Well, I really, really highly rate Jack Grealish. I think he's the second best player or the best player in this England squad. And I don't say that lightly because Harry Kane is incredible, right? Mm-hmm. I just think Jack Grealish is that good and... He's the type of guy that he just does not look out of place no matter who he plays for. I mean, he could go to any team in the world, I think, and, and, and look amazing. Um, and the thing about it, he is a bit of a maverick. He doesn't play very traditionally. Um, he, he's not a guy who's going to play in like a very tactically rigid role. He's going to float around. He's going to dribble past players, get fouls. He's got the flair. It's the hair, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot about... Um, you know, there's a lot of comparisons to to to, to uh, Gascoigne, right? Um, and I don't think those are unfair because if you look at the style of play and the way that he does uh, get past players and does really, you know, create those chances, he does score goals. I think this is also a player, considering he doesn't play in Europe, this is a player that a lot of players or a lot of, um, a lot of, kind of fans will not have seen that much of so yeah yeah I, I mean look if you're a big Roma fan there is no reason why you would have seen much of Jack Grealish right mm. if you're a big Getafe fan there is not that much of a reason you would have seen that much of Jack Grealish the other one is Jude Bellingham I think uh if there is an injury or Jordan Henderson doesn't look like himself or we play a certain team that requires like a, a more dynamic box to box. I think he, he could be quite good. Um, and I think, you know, like there are a lot of kind of obvious names there as well, that I don't think need much introduction, but I think Jalen Sancho has a big opportunity here as well. You know, like there are players like Phil Foden who have kind of gone ahead of himself, him in the, in the pecking area order, considering how well he's played for Man City. Could he come off the bench and make an impact? So I think, um, I think I'm pretty confident England will probably come top of this group. Uh, I think Croatia will come second with Scotland third and, and Czech Republic fourth. But um, before we talk about Group E and F, I need to remind you that this podcast is brought to you in affiliation with SoRare, the global blockchain fantasy game. SoRare is a fantasy game of soccer where players manage, uh, buy, sell, trade, a virtual team with digital player cards if you use our link and buy five new cards from the primary market then you get a free rare card i got a free memphis to pie which is awesome i might try and sell them actually um so head over to https forward slash so rare dot pxf dot i o s o p so that's so s o r 
A-R-E dot P-X-F dot I-O forward slash S-O-P. It'll be in the, in the bio as well. So you guys don't have to remember that. You can just click it in our bio. Um, yeah, no, have, have, still having fun on SoRare. If you guys want to check out some SoRare content, head over to SoRare Guide on YouTube. Um, I'm actually going to be doing an interview with Martino, believe it or not, previewing the Euros um, for, <laughs> for whatever reason. I asked him to do it. Um, it's my fault. Uh, Matt, talk to me about Poland in Group E. How are you feeling about this? Cautiously optimistic. Um, it's really it's really hard to look at this Poland team because I know that obviously they got their main players um, in the squad, Lewandowski. They have Piotr Zielinski. They have Krutkowiak. They have a lot of young players that you're going to get a little bit more of a taste of as far as what they can offer. Um but it's not, it's not really so much a matter of having the ability because I think they have a very good side and a side that you can make a case is probably a little bit better than the one they had in 2016 when they played really tightly versus Germany. They played pretty good the rest of the tournament and managed to get into the, 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 the um, penalties versus Portugal where they came up short. But they're a team that I'm not too sure about how I feel about Paulo Sosa, the former Fiorentina manager, and he's been everywhere. I think he was at Basel too. Um, I'm not quite sure if I'm convinced on him heading into this tournament. It's a coaching thing for me because I look at this team and I think, okay, I mean, they have, you know, Bednarik in the back. They have experience in Kamil Glick. They have Zelinski. They have Kanaski. You have Lewandowski, who, you know, obviously we all know who he is. So it's not really so much a matter of the talent. I think when you look at the rest of the, the landscape of this group, I think they have a little bit more than Slovakia. And I think you can make a case they're probably on the same playing field, maybe a little bit better or maybe a little worse or about even with uh, with Sweden. So um, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to kind of pin down how they'll perform because it's just the coaching for me. It's, and, 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 and people, like a, lot of, a lot of people I talk to, um, I'm in a Polish soccer group chat and they talk a lot about like the younger players coming up um, and they were asking me how I felt about the, the Sousa appointment. And I was like, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't feel that confident in him. It's, it's kind of a strange thing for me. And maybe on a different scale, it's one of those things where when England, when England fans talk about Southgate, like this guy, we don't feel confident in him. Not that we don't feel confident in the players, that the coach will be able to implement the style that gets the most out of this group of players, which should achieve quite a bit. If you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gareth Southgate's probably got the best England squad in a in a long, long time. So I definitely feel your pain there. Um, moving over to Slovakia, Matt. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Scotland, didn't we? In the last group. Sorry. <laughs> Scotland, who I also think are going to be pretty decent. Um, but unfortunately, in, in kind of a tough group in terms of coming second. Um, a load of players I like here, Matt. Um you know, apart from up top where they're a bit light, you've got um, John Fleck, who I like at Sheffield United, who's gone down with them. Billy Gilmore, obviously at Chelsea, very talented. John McGinn, who I love as a central midfielder. Yeah, my boy Tierney, uh, oh, obviously yeah. Robertson. And you've got McTominay, who I'm a massive fan of as well. So there is some, like, not just good players out there, there are some top, top players. Like, you know, you've got... Scott McTominay playing in a European final. He's probably one of Man United's best players. John McGinn has been a stellar central midfielder in the Premier League for the last 18 months. Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson are two of the top left-backs in the world. So, Do you think there's any chance that Scotland are one of those teams that play spoiler <laughs> and stun Croatia? I would put my money on Scotland. Is the stage too big for them right now? I, I would put my money on Scotland and not Czech Republic. 
I, I'm a bit, year. I'm a bit more like in a one-off game, whether the emotions are high and the adrenaline's running. Like, who is gonna? If there are a few players in that team who are just who just have that kind of ability to grab a team and and kind of pull them forward, you know, um, a John Fleck, a um, uh, a John McGinn, who I'm a massive fan of, as I mentioned, uh, Scott McTonomy. You could have Billy Gilmore coming off the bench. You could have John Fleck coming off the bench. Um, my worry is defensively in in the centre of defence. It's probably not not as strong as you'd want. And up top, they might be a bit light. So I'm like, where exactly are the goals going to come from? I know Lyndon Dykes has um, done quite well for Scotland, uh, the big man, every now and then. But like, it, it's a different stage. Is he is he going to be able to uh, step up to it? So let's see. I think for me, I've still got England one and Czech Republic two, Scotland three. But if anyone was going to play spoiler, maybe Croatia two. Uh, sorry, sorry. England one, Croatia two, Scotland three. Not not Czech Republic. You don't want to get slandered in the. <laughs> I think they're going to come fourth, Czech Republic. Okay, um, okay. moving over to Slovakia, Martin Dubravka, Newcastle goalkeeper, Milan Skriniar, Matt, who you know very well, and uh, Denis Favro as well, is is quite highly rated, playing for Huesca. I think he's on loan from Lazio, correct? Um, they got Andre Duda. Um, Vladimir Weiss, uh, Jure Kutka, Sanitas Labotka. So there are some names there, but again, it feels like it's 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 a group that's probably going to be too tough for Slovakia to come out of because they are probably going to be the fourth favourites to come first or second here, aren't they? Yeah, I think I just like Poland and Sweden a little too much to have Slovakia creep into that conversation. I think it's going to come down to, um, I think Spain... I think has the best, I think Spain are, it's weird for Spain because Spain, I'm actually doing a, like a small Euro preview on Spain, but I don't want to get too much into them before we discuss them at length. But, you know, I think there's Spain that are, despite them being in a little bit of a transition, right. I think people are kind of trying to pin down what type of team Spain can be as far as what their uh, potential is into this tournament. Maybe it's a little early, but they got the names, right. And it's just a matter of them being able to put it together and tie all the loose, loose ends together for this tournament. Right. They're not in that, same upper echelon maybe that they were um, at previous tour, at pre- previous Euros, excuse me. They're not on that level with France or Portugal, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, and maybe even England. But they're kind of a team that's like, would it surprise you if they made like a run to the semifinal or maybe made like a title run? Probably wouldn't surprise many people given the names and, you know, some of the players like Rodri, Pedri, and then a lot of these other players. But just getting back to um, – uh, some of these other teams, I just think there's a little bit too much in Poland and Sweden to come up short here. Um, at Sweden, honestly, I, I just think that it, it's a shame to not see Ibrahimovic be ready for this tournament. Um, but they're they're not short of of talent, right, Pet? I mean, they got they got some names there in that squad. Yeah, I mean, look, like there is some very good names there. Um, Jordan Larson, it's funny, Henrik Larson's son. Uh, <laughs> remember him, Alexander Ishak. Um, you know, Kulisevsky, Matthias Svanberg, uh, Robin Quaison, uh, Christopher Olsen, who's, you know, who's been Forsberg, Albin Ekdal, um, Victor Von Krasen, who actually plays for um, for Bologna. He's yeah. uh, pretty pretty highly sought after by several several Serie A clubs. Mm-hmm. I mentioned uh, uh, Myers earlier, Matt. I think he's apparently going to Atalanta, according to a lot of the Dutch reports. So y- you've got uh, a player to keep an eye on there from the. Um, the Holland squad if he gets any minutes. Uh, Ludwig Augustinsson, quite highly rated left back in Germany and uh, has been Sweden's best left back for a while. 
Um, Victor Lindelof, of course, no need to introduce him. And then Robin Olsen, who's on loan from Roba to Everton. So uh, how do we see that one shaping up, Matt? I mean, Spain top, maybe? Spain top. Um, I, I think, you know, when I was looking at Spain's roster and kind of assessing their squad, I mean, there's a lot of players that it's kind of hard to really assess what their best 11 will look like. Um, you're still going to have the the experienced players, you know, is it Azpilicueta starting or do they go with Llorente? I saw something that Llorente at right back, um, left back Alba. Like, do they go with a more like tried and true, like PK and, you know, Alba, Busquets type, or do they go with some of the more like promising young players and usher that out in the first game? I'm going to be curious to see what Luis, and, Luis Enrique does. Um, I mean, weird, he only took 24 players, right? I think so, yeah. It's so fucking weird. But there's no Ramos, too. Like, there's no Ramos it's in this crazy. team. And I know they have, like, Laporte and they have Pau Torres. Like, they have, you know, enough. Good. I think there's good centre-backs there. but uh, They're good centre-backs, but there's, like, that. that there's no like, Sergio Ramos. Well, it's not even so much that, like, you can say, yeah, like, yeah, Sergio Ramos, the captain. I think he's the most capped player for Spain all time. Like, he's been through it all with that team. And he's a player that. To your point, you know, maybe in the more of like the Modric mold or you know something like the Christian Eriksen mold, where it's like the difference maker. Like they'll look to them in certain moments and delicate phases of the game, and it's like Ramos is the guy that's making the big clearance, or you know, you earn, they're clearing the ball, and it's like an act defensive stall where it rolls back the years. Like not having Ramos, uh, maybe in the group won't show up that much, but in those gritty matches and then knockout phases i think that's where ramos is ramos is going to be sorely missed mm. so but also too up front like how sold are we on alvaro marata uh, we're not very sold at we're all <laughs> ferran torres is nice i like ferran torres um i like what they got in the midfield with tiago i still think you know coke you have you have players like it's not so much of a name thing it's just have they been are are, are they tested enough now where is this the tournament where Spain's going to kind of get back onto that that sort of playing level that they were um, you know, when they were repeat European champions or where they were a team that's like that, that dominant? I don't know if it's this tournament. Maybe it's it's the World Cup, in my opinion. But I still think they're the cream of the crop in this group, and they're a team that I still wouldn't surprise me um, if they made a, a pretty significant run here. And uh, how do you see that shaping up? So Spain first, Sweden or Poland second? Probably Poland, Matt. I want to go Poland. That's probably going to be, a lot of people call me biased, but if listen, it's not going to be, like I said, if Poland don't get out of this group, I think it's going to come down to Sousa. It's going to be the coaching that's going to really let them down in this thing because I think there's, lots, there's some really quality players here. I think Zelensky can have a really good impact in the group. Um, aside from Lewandowski, I think there's got to be that key player behind Lewandowski to do something special I think at the last Euro the defense was very stout and very strong and it helped guide them into some of those matches where Lewandowski wasn't getting the service um, and the, the chances really weren't there for him I think Zelensky's got to be that guy he had a great year with Napoli um, you know he was uh, took big steps forward he's got to be that that type of performer for Poland if they want to be the team that finishes second and into the final group. This is the big one, Matt. We left the best the last, obviously. Uh, France. I actually don't think France's squad is as good as the squad that won the World Cup. I think if I look at it top down, Hugo Lloris is worse, right? 
Samuel Mtiti was fantastic in that World Cup. There is no him. So you'll probably look at Pascal Kimpembe next to Rafael Varane. He's not as good as the Mtiti that was at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, you've got uh, Jules Kunde, Lengle, uh, Kurt Zuma to choose from, or one of those two centre-backs goes down. I think, you know, there is some weaknesses there in midfield. Uh, they've got Kingsley Coman, Goda Kante, uh, Paul Pogba. But I've I seen a lot of predicted lineups saying that Rabiot will start. That feels like a downgrade on... I, I don't think Blaise Matuidi was with the best central midfielder in the world, but he worked for that He worked for team that, that team. So, so well. And they're going to play this diamond with Benzema and Bappe up top and, and Griezmann off the, off, off the front. This is kind of a new system for them to get acclimatized to, considering Benzema's only been in the squad very recently. I think they're not going to do as well. I think they're still favorites mm-hmm. or, or joint favorites with Portugal, but I don't think I feel as strongly about them as I did in the World Cup. There are some players here, for example, Antoine Griezmann has not had a couple of good years. There are some players on, the, on this list who are a lot worse than last time. So, um, yeah. Like let's uh, let's see what they do. But Matt, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's one of those things too, where it's like, is are, are is the too much uh, is too much talent going to maybe be over, like in the attack? Is there gonna be too much talent that oversteps and infringes on one another? Like Benzema coming back into the equation, um, he's he's a player that has to. I mean, he's he was he's phenomenal. I love Chris Benzema, um, but fitting with these players, meshing with these players in the quick time that he has to mesh. You know, can he? Can they do it? Can they make all these parts assemble and 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 work? That's really what's going to be the thing. Because in a strange way, you look at a team that has a lot of talent, and it's like it's a great thing. But sometimes it's also a, a, a challenge finding a way to make all these good players, some players in the midfield that need the ball to have an impact, some players that need the opportunities up front and to need to be on the ball, dribbling and taking guys on to do what they do best, like is there going to be a little bit of an overstep, right? You mentioned, you know, Benzema, Mbappe, Griezmann. I mean, it's, it's prolific. That's, that's very strong. It's skilled. It's so balanced, but in, in the group, I think they're going to be fine. Obviously. I think it's, it's, it's really tough to say too, because if one of these teams, if France isn't careful, you come up against a Portugal or a Germany and you, you take a, you take a, a W, I mean, an L, excuse me, and it gets really challenging from there because you have two other teams that are really strong opponents. So I like them moving on. I like them finishing first, in fact. But I could see this going really down to the, the final game or two. I don't oh, know. If absolutely. I, I think this is definitely through. going for the final game. Um, let's talk a little bit about Germany. Uh, how do you feel about them? I mean, um, guys like Serge Gnabry didn't play too much during the run-in due to injury. Um, they've got a lot of players that were on form in the likes of, uh, you know, Ikai Gundogan, it's had a great season. Joshua Kimmich is always really great. Um, Tony Cruz, of course, uh, at the back, they look kind of light to me. I mean, Antonio Rudiger played well in a, a three for Chelsea, but I think jury's still out on him. Mats Hummels has had a, I think Dortmund, probably one of the worst defensive teams I've watched this season, which was crazy. Um, I think they're going to struggle defensively. The German team just isn't as good. But again, you know, Thomas Müller, uh, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, there are goals in that side up top, right? I mean, people are going to laugh, Timo Werner goals, but, you know, I think this team will score goals. 
Leroy Sane, Gnabry score goals as well. Uh, in Ikai Gundogan has shown he scores goals. Leon Goretzka, again, a goal-scoring midfielder. I think this team will score goals. I just don't know if they'll keep as many out as they need to to come second. Now, the issue is, right, Matt, like the best four third teams go through, but there is a chance that Germany might play well in three games and only win one and maybe not come third. Um, it's definite possibility, but I think all three of those teams will go through. And the reason being is I think Hungary will lose every game. And I think one of these teams will settle for a draw against each other, meaning they'll end up on at least four points. And that should see them through as one of the top four third place teams, if that makes sense. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the German side and they, they it's not a matter of the talent. I mean, I think a lot of these teams are you know, more or less the same as far as maybe the talent's concerned. I mean, Portugal are, and I think Germany, uh, France, excuse me, are, have a little bit more in the tank than Germany do. I think it's pretty obvious that. But that isn't to say that Germany's devoid of players and all of a sudden they're, they're not a team that should be taken seriously. I mean, Sané, Nabry, Havertz, Timo, Kimmich, that midfield, I love Kimmich, um, Goretzka, Gundogan, as you mentioned. But there's just like something, when you look at this team sheet, you're like, yeah, but how seriously can we take them? Are, are they a team that are going to be taking the whole entire tournament by the throat? Do they strike fear or as much fear as they did in previous years? It's not, it's not the case. I mean, they have a lot, they have the experience. I will say that. I mean, you mentioned Rudiger, who's kind of reinvented himself a little bit. He's got like somewhat of a new lease on life at Chelsea. looks like he's probably going to stay. And in January, he was actually potentially on his way out with reports linking him to Milan. So it's going to be hard to say. I think that the first game of, in, of each team in group F that's where I'm going to have my full assessment of everything because <laughs> to your point, I think that is cheating. Team... <laughs> what was that? I said, that's cheating. Well, I know, I know, but it's, when you look at this team, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say too, right? Because there's talent there, but it's, that's not always the, that's not always the deciding factor in the, in these tournaments on the national level, at least, you know? So I'd really not much more to say about them, to be honest with you. I like, I, I think they have players that, that are of high, high quality, but this is one of the toughest groups. And if there's spoilers and disappointment and heartache, this is where it's going to come from in this group. Yeah. Um, hungry, Matt, we expect them to be the whipping boys. I mean, I'm looking through their squad right now. Adam Slazai, uh, probably the, the, the standout name, but I really can, I'd be shocked if, they do get much more than a point here. I mean, Peter Galassi is a, a great keeper for Leipzig. Has been their standard number one for you know three years or so. Willie Orban as well is 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 pretty decent for Leipzig. But apart from that, it is uh, slim pickings in terms of quality and in terms of where some of these players play. Um, you expect them to probably lose most games in the group. I do. Yeah, I was. Um... I'm just, I'm just curious to see, like, are they a team that plays? I think it's obvious that they're a team that's probably not going to move on from this group. Um, and if, if anyone's Hungarian and listen to this, I apologize. But um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, at the time of getting drawn into this group, they kind of know what they're getting into. They've got nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose, and sometimes that's a very dangerous thing for for some of these other teams, like Portugal, France, or Germany. It's like all right, well, if we get knocked out, we got knocked out. I think there's really no shame in that. The fact that we're here is a pretty, pretty big honor and achievement. But, but there's a lot of national pride, right? I think you're going to get hungry. You're going to try and play these teams very tight. 
uh, maybe sit back defensively, hope to get them on the break, you know, kind of that more the typical traditional way of things of doing things against some of these more uh, superior sides. I think Hungary are going to be in a position where they're going to try and just make it competitive, very tight, see if they could get a couple goals to celebrate um, and, and be in it um, late for some of these matches where at that point you have any, anything can happen. But I, I agree. I think they're going to be the, um, the doormat of this group, unfortunately. And last, but by no means least, Matt, the reigning champions, Portugal. Very strong side. This is probably the strongest Portugal I've seen since 2006, maybe. And maybe stronger than that 2016. Figo, Deco, um, obviously Ronaldo emerging. You know, that was, that was a really strong team in 2006. But in the buildup to this, like the team that won in 2016 – it had some good pieces that maybe weren't quite ready for the, for the big, the big stage. You know, obviously they had guys like Adair scored the game winning goal. Ronaldo got injured. So players did step up in certain respects, but this team is loaded. And I have a buddy of mine who he's a big fan, a Benfica fan. I was talking to him about him. He's, he's confident in the scene. He's very confident in the scene. And I know a lot of times people, I think I was talking to um, Cristiano who we had on to do like a Portugal special. Me and Martino yeah. were, were as the host and we brought him on. And we were talking about this team and very optimistic, but I think there's, there's always some sort of like pessimistic or pessimism that comes from them because they've, they know what they're, they know what they're capable of, but they're, they don't want to get too ahead of themselves. If that makes sense. Like when you look at this team top to bottom, I mean, there's going to be names that I miss out here and in, in my, in my rambling of names, but you got the Bern, Bernardo Silva, you got the Jao Felix, a big tournament, bright lights for him. You got Cristiano Ronaldo who, had a great year number wise obviously you know his future's uh up in the air with that at juve but maybe the one area you could point to is that their defense right you got font and you got pepe a little bit older i think pepe and font combined are like 76 99 years old what (laughs) (laughs) they're both late 30s (laughs) no i'm joking i'm joking they're both like like 36 and 35 yeah, yeah, yeah i was joking matt i was joking it was a I was joke. Say, like, I get my numbers wrong. Like, <laughs> How bad is this guy's maths? <laughs> like, quick maths. Like, thanks, Jack, over here. <laughs> but you get the point. Like, this, no, no, I this got is you. The year for Portugal. I mean, the only team. Jao Cancelo, Ruben Diaz, Jose Font, Rafa Guerrero. <laughs> that is some back four, right? Midfield, Bruno Fernandes, Gian Martinho, Ruben Neves, Sergio Oliveira, um, Renato Sanchez, Bernardo Silva, William Cavalio, Danilo. Up top, Jao Felix, Jota, Ronaldo, Rafa Silva, Andre Silva. Like, when we talked about England, we talked about kind of like those players that could bring up the the bench. There's a chance that Portugal could have Rafa Silva, Diego Jota, Andre Silva, and then like a Renato Sanchez, Bernardo Silva to come off the bench. Like, that's pretty scary. So, you know, and they've got the keepers, you know, Rio Patricia was the, 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 the man that won in the Euros. Anthony Lopez is a very able deputy, so they're stacked there as well. I think they are, for me, I get that feeling that they might be the favourites ahead of France. I don't know why. I just think there's a bit more spark and dazzle, especially off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think there are a few of those players in that France team who are going to be very tired after making deep runs in competitions. Um, and also just, they aren't at the same level. Some of those players, right. Uh, there are some 
question marks and uncertainties about how Karen Benzema is good as he is. And I think he's a top three striker in the world, how he's going to fit into a tried and tested systems for, for the, like him recalling Benzema has to be the most undidier Deschamps thing that he's ever done. Isn't it? Like he's been so frugal, I like the way he's picked up. The, being very good. Yeah. That the way he's, uh, cho- uh, you know, he told Laporte that he doesn't really fit into the, the kind of style of the, the the personality of the squad. He was like, "Okay, I'll play for Spain." Um, he's not called up certain players over and over again. He's he's got certain favourites that he keeps calling back. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird. But uh, Matt, I mean, I'm going to ask you the Elfield question: Who comes top two here out of these four? Portugal tops the group. France finishes finishes second. Okay. And Germany third, but we think mm-hmm. they're still going to go through because they'll probably get f- four points, you'd think, maybe, hopefully for them. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Um, okay, so we've gone through all the groups. We've been talking for ages now. Um, I want to ask you your favourites, your flops, your dark horses, and then I want you to name maybe one or two players that you want want people to keep an eye on as breakout stars. So what do we want to start with? Favorites. Favorites. Um, do you want me to give you like the, the, the you want one team or do you want three? Like two, who, three. Who, who, who do you think is going to win? Uh, who do I think is going to win? Whew. I think France. I think France finds a way to put it together as the tournament progresses. I don't think they maybe look their best, fullest in the group, because I think as I mentioned, I think they finished second behind Portugal, but I think France enough. Well, as the, the tournament progresses, will 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 prevail. Their talent will come through and shine through. And I actually do think that France will win the tournament. I think Portugal would be the only team behind Spain to defend their European title. If I'm correct, mm. I think Spain's the only team that's ever won back to back Euros. Yeah, um, I just don't think that Portugal are going to be able to do it um, in this tournament. I just think they have a, a little bit too much too much on their plate, and the expectations I think will be a little bit higher um, and a little bit too much for them to handle. So I, I like France as my favorite. Okay. I've got Portugal as my favorite. Okay. What about your flops? Flops, I have... I've got Spain again, I think. Or Belgium. But I'm leaning Spain. Mm. I kind of have... I kind of have Croatia. Okay. It sounds It sounds strange, but... I'm just not as convinced as I am. I get three years ago. People are going to look to that that World Cup appearance, final appearance and think that's three years ago. Three years of football. Football years is a lot. So I, I don't know if they're going to be the same team. Again, I think they'll get at the group. But if people are thinking that they're going to make this deep semifinal potential final run, I would be stunned if they make it at, beyond the next, the, ne- the first knockout, knockout round. Okay. Um, and your dark horses? Um. I'll, I'll go with two. I'm going to go Italy. Again, we talked off the top. I think they're, they're, people still rate them, but maybe not as high. So I think there's still some room for them to uh, um, impress and maybe surprise some people. So I'm going to go Italy as my um, dark horse. I'll pick up, just stick to the one. I'm going to go for Turkey, but I also like, also like Italy as well. Yeah, yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. Um and players to watch, Matt. Who do you think could have a stellar breakout tournament? Put them on the map, kind of thing. I like. I like Chiesa a lot. Okay. I, like I was I was going to say Chiesa as well. 
Chiesa, and I'll uh, I'll go a little bit more of a um, I guess a uh, homer, more more of a homer choice or a biased choice, and go with Zelinsky. I think he takes another step on the international okay. stage, and I actually think he does really well. I'm gonna go Jack Greedish, and then I really like John McGinn at Scotland, so I'm gonna say him as well. Cool. I think that's what we've got time for, man. We've been going on for way longer than we thought we would. Uh, where yeah. can people find out more about you? Sure. Um, on Twitter, at Matt underscore Santangelo. I am very close to 10K. So <laughs> very. If you guys can help me get there, that would be wonderful. And there would be nothing more um, honor- honorable or mo- nothing big of an honor. Or I'm jumbling <laughs> my words here. Um, He's losing followers by the second. With the very, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hot in here. I turn off the air conditioner. That's probably why I'm yeah. getting out here. But um, yeah, on Twitter, at Matt underscore Santangelo. Help me get the 10K followers and uh, look out for some Euro content um, in the coming days from Football Italia. Awesome, awesome. And you can find me at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A, P, uh, Pet Berisha at Twitter. So that's where I'm mostly talking a load of shit. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You can find us at State of Play Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and all your favorite socials. Uh, and keep uh, keep an eye out for more content. We were supposed to have a Copa America preview from uh, our good friend Roberto Rojas, but we don't actually know what's going on with that tournament anymore. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears peeled, of course. Thank you very much. <laughs>